Vision dreams of passion blowing through my mind. And all the while, I think of you. A very strange reaction for us to unwind. The more I see, the more I do. Something of a phenomenon, baby. Telling your body to come along. But white lines blow away. I am the last manager of the last video store in the universe. And I just saw Cocaine Bear. This is my instant reaction. If you were on Patreon, you would have gotten this more, even more instantaneously. You would have gotten your fix, your hit, baby. Even more instantaneously, that's where the true phenomena happens. It's a community of people who get lots of content and will leave you alone. It's an ideal situation. Digital aloneness together. Patreon.com slash binge movies. Normally, I rank five films with film fans, film fanatics, filmmakers, and film critics to determine which ones are most worthy for preservation for all time, even beyond the end times. But this time... I'm just giving you my instant thoughts, solo, straight from the theater, talk about a brand new release, at least stateside, Cocaine Bear, directed by, what's her face? <laughs> Elizabeth Banks. Okay, um, let's get this out of the way first and foremost. I will give you non-spoilers. I can't really spoil this, so it's probably not going to have a spoiler section. I, it's just going to be what it is. But let's get this out of the way first and foremost. I am of the opinion as a film reviewer, some say film critic. If you don't receive me in that way, that's fine. You receive a film critic in the name of a film critic. You receive a film critic's uh, reward. But um, a film critic is only without honor in his own hometown. Uh, hi, and everywhere else. I am of the opinion that there, like anything can be a great movie. Any premise, any idea can be good and very, with, with, with expert craftsmanship, can be great. Uh, there are a lot of really great stories that are shitty movies. And there are some shitty ideas that are great movies. I would argue that Tremors is a shitty idea. It is. It could have been one of 50 million other B-movies that was delayed, that was shot and made in the 80s, and they had to recut it, re-edit it, eventually put it out in 1990, flopped, and then we all just would have forgot about it, right? It would, be, it would have been released by Vidmark Entertainment. And that would have been it. But instead, it's an all-time classic, in my opinion. It's a great, great movie. It, is it Academy Award winning? No, not necessarily, but for what it is. It's a great film. Uh, I can make that same argument about arachnophobia. Now, arachnophobia is a slightly better made movie. It's definitely more mainstream. I think Gary Marshall did that one. And it's got a slightly more upscaled uh, cast, so to speak. It's less B-movie territory and more like A-minus territory, at least from a production standpoint. But the premise is stupid. The, the, a, a man and a spider move to the same small town at the same time. The spider being a, you know, a pre heretofore unidentified jungle species from the deepest, darkest heart of the Amazon who has hoboed his way via a coffin, <laughs> sucking the occupant dry to survive 
back to, you know, bumfuck America and where it gets loose and wreaks havoc and mates with the indigenous population. And then there's Jeff Daniels, who's trying to open up a practice from a cranky old doctor who won't retire. Uh, and it shouldn't work, but it's a great film. Uh, and it's, it's spooky enough. It's funny enough. I would say Cocaine Bear is somewhere in that territory or is attempting to be in that territory. And whereas I would say those are four star films, even though they on paper are two star films, I'd say this is a 2.5 star film. 2.5 out of 5 on instant reactions. We use the letterbox score on the main show. I use it out of 10. Uh, and that may seem like, boy, that's really low. It's you know basically a 50%. Uh, it's not a I hated this 2.5, which those do exist. Where it's like, ah, it's it's good, but like I it's it was well made, but I didn't like it. 2.5. This is um not a particularly well-made film. It doesn't look very good. It's not shot very well. It's not directed very well. It's not edited very well. And even though Mark Mothersbaugh, child of Akron, a co-child of Akron, Ohio, where Binge Movies Home Video is located, um, the score is terrible. Here's, okay. Mark Mothersbaugh was making music <laughs> in the 80s. He was making commercial commercials questionable but they did cross over was making pop music no pun intended but was making music with synthesizers in the 80s i feel like he just had the remnants of this laying around not from the 80s but for stuff they didn't they like first drafts of stuff that marvel said keep going and he was just like, we want to hire Mark Mothersbaugh to work on Cocaine Bear. But we, this is a lower budgeted film. And it just felt like he just went off to, went into a, a, a external hard drive, pulled it off the shelf, so to speak, and was like, I got this for you. You know, that'll be a week's worth of work. You know, I'll go ahead and bill you for it. I, I don't know. It just, it, it didn't match. It didn't mesh. And I was stunned. I was stunned at how bad it was. I mean, you could get royalty-free 80s music off of YouTube, but it's as good as the score in this movie. I thought it was terrible. And um, I, I don't think I've ever said that before, and I will likely never say it again about anything Mark Mothersbaugh has ever done. I'm sorry, my sire, my Akron King, the, the other one. <sighs> um, it, it really, this movie is shambles. Um, it's bad. Like it's, I, I would say it's an objectively badly made film. That's the negative part of it. And I, I, I'm, I, I saw a little bit of the inspiration of, I would guess Jurassic Park. There's several shots and several scenes that are, there's one in particular that looks like straight at Jurassic Park. I think with the, the cast that they have here, which is relatively good. I mean, you've got Kerry Russell and you've got, um, uh, you have two of the three of the, the, the Americans in it, in another thing set in the eighties. Um, I, you got Alden Ehrenreich who's trying to make a comeback post solo. Cause boy, that didn't pan out for him, which is mostly not his fault. Probably not his fault at all. Yeah, Ray Liotta, and I think what's his last film appearance? You've got O'Shea Jackson. You've got dude from um, Game of Thrones, 
um, who is uh, Tormund Giantsbane. I think that's right. Um, who always dreamed of, what was his deal? Like he wanted to sleep with troll women or something. I don't know. There was some kind of a deal there. Um, Margot Martindale. That's who I was thinking of as far as uh, uh, the Americans goes. So uh, Matthew Reese shows up very briefly. Isaiah Whitlock Jr., who's usually pretty good. Um, you got a lot of uh, good people. Like, this is a decent cast of people who I think could have starred. This is one of those movies that the entire time I was watching it. Well, let me rewind that thought. Again, instant reactions. This is coming to me in real time. When you're watching Tremors and Arachnophobia, your brain is going, this shouldn't be working this well. And you go, this is better than it has any right to be. That is when it comes to this tier of movie, that's what I want out of a cocaine bear. I want to go, yeah, the trailer was kind of weak. It's kind of lame, but I got into it and it's more than a meme and it's delivering more. This is better than what I thought it was going to be. It's funnier. It's, it's smarter. It's better directed. It's like, oh, there's like, yeah, it's a, it's a stupid movie, but made exceptionally well. There's something about it that sizzles and pops. This this movie has none of that. You have O'Shea Jackson Jr., I don't know if I mentioned it before, who is someone I'm usually like in, in favor of. The cast is not the problem. Um, I think the cast is pretty game. I think the material itself is pretty lame. I think this is actually a very lamely written movie. It's saving grace is that there's two sequences, I would argue, in the film. One dead center in the middle that... I think almost entirely redeems the film. At least it did for me. I didn't enjoy the first half of this thing. I really didn't. From about the halfway mark on, it really amps up and ends up being, I, th I think, what was promised on the box, uh, at least for me. It was, it, I had the experience of as I was watching, instead of like tremors where I was going, man, this is better than it has any right to be. Man, gosh dang which I love that feeling. I love that feeling going in with really low expectations and the movie just sails past them. as just like, oh, this is this is good. The movie that did that, if not last year, the year before, terrible name, by the way, was Cop Shop. I had absolutely zero expectations for that movie. In fact, I probably had negative expectations. And then I was like, this ends up being pretty decent. I almost never want to revisit it because now, since I liked it, if I go back and watch it, it sucks. I'm going to be upset. But um, that's what I wanted this movie to be, where it's like, my expectations are really low. I want it to surpass it. It didn't. I wanted I wanted this to be a three, three and a half, four star movie. It's a two and a half star film. Um, the other saving grace of it is that it is mercifully like 90 minutes. Even then, it felt a little long. It felt a little like, just felt just like in shambles. I could see what they were trying to do, and I could see a version of this movie that I would freaking love. And it's very similar to a Tremors situation. The difference is with this movie, there is no protagonist in this film. If you ever like are just watching a movie and you're like, there's something about this that doesn't work, I would say 7.5 out of 10 times, it's either a poorly written protagonist or it is the lack thereof. This is the case of this movie. We have various and sundry people who are all arriving in this uh, national park um, for different reasons, most of which involve cocaine. And 
cocaine, which is dropped from the sky, which is based on an actual event. Cocaine really did drop out of the sky. And uh, people who were drug runners dumped it out of a plane, and a guy jumped out of a plane and, and threw coke into the forest and so forth and so on. Trying to outrun the law. Johnny Law. Um, this movie, a bear gets into the coke and goes crazy, becomes a coke fiend, coke addict, and goes nuts, goes bonkers. They have a couple of kids who skip school to go do whatever. We've got some gutter punks, which I guess they'd be technically forest punks, who are like this like this like group of like juvenile delinquents who are there just to wreak havoc in a national park. I, I guess. I don't know. Um, we have uh, a park ranger and an environmental person uh, who is like a wildlife expert. We have Carrie Russell, who is the mom of one of the two younger kids who skipped school. So she's going there to try to find her kid who's being delinquent from school, tardy. Uh, we've got a couple of dr- drug dealer guys who are trying to go get the coke back, uh, you know, um, for Ray Liotta's character, who's the drug lord, or at least drug runner who works for the drug lords. And there's all these different plots and 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 and. Alden Ehrenreich is, I think, maybe in a certain draft of this script, probably would have been our protagonist, but he shows up way late to everybody else. When he does show up, he's grief-stricken from a dead wife, which is played for total comedy, and none of it is funny. And I'm, I'm thinking, okay, is Carrie Russell our protagonist? No, because you think she might be, because we spend a great deal of time with her and her kid, but the she disappears. Carrie Russell disappears for long stretches of this movie. Alden Ehrenreich, you're thinking, okay, well, maybe he's the protagonist because we end up spending a bunch of time with him and this this misfit group of people end up forming, but not really. And so because we don't have a Kevin Bacon, we don't have an Earl, right? We don't have, we don't have um, two handymen who are just want to get the fuck out of perfection. And we can kind of like, we think they're goofs. We think they're dummies. I'm, I'm comparing it to tremors. You know, we think they're goofs. Like oh, these guys are like, they're dummies. We hear them talk. We hear their banter and it is not very witty. They're just not very like, they're not smart guys. Right. But they're very likable. And you end up like liking them kind of against your own wishes. But you see them be down and out. You see them suffer. You see the septic tank blow up in their face. You see all the nonsense they have to deal with. And you see the shithole they live in. And you are rooting for them. Right? I think one of the all-time best written protagonists is probably Marty from Back to the Future. Because he is, like, annoying and kind of a punk and insecure and has a lot of flaws. And is yet somehow charming and relatable. And you can see yourself in him and... You think he's kind of dumb, but it's funny when he's in over his head, but you're ultimately rooting for him. That's a classic protagonist. Another great protagonist is Sarah Connor from the original Terminator film, where it's like you understand, you instantly relate to her where she is in her life. You know, she's got guys standing her, uh, up on her in dates. She's in college. She's got this like bullshit job. People are shitting on her constantly. And then she finds out she has this incredible destiny that awaits her, but it comes at the cost of the death of the entire world, right? And so the, this destiny is actually this horrible burden. And is she going to accept it or not? And is there any of this real? And and then also she is simultaneously, narratively, like the hero of the picture, but she's not the hero yet, which is a really interesting thing. 
but she's also sort of a, a the damsel, as it were, the victim, right? Um, very interesting, right? I can go on and on and on and on. Um, Alan Grant's a decent protagonist as well because he's got a character arc. He hates technology. He prefers dinosaurs in particular, dinosaur bones in particular, fossils, which are not bones, but in, you know, to people and especially kids. And he's stuck in a situation with kids and it's life or death. And through that process, he has to grow and to develop. He's not the world's greatest protagonist, but it's something. So you can take a silly concept, dumb concept, high concept, and they hinge upon having a central protagonist. Now you could look at the movie and say, well, the movie's called Cocaine Bagger. So I don't really care that it doesn't have like an all-time great protagonist. I'm not saying it needed a all-time great protagonist. I just think it needed a protagonist. Well, you know, it's like, well, I just want to go in and laugh at like the, the CGI bear doing CGI coke and being silly in the woods. There you go. But I think that movie would ultimately be funnier. I think it'd be more fulfilling. I think there's nobody's perspective that we're grounded in. We're just watching a series of contrived, very often, very fake looking gags. And it's like, oh, isn't this wild and crazy? It's when the movie really lets loose and just throws off every pretense of giving a shit about its characters that it's at its best. The movie insists at times that I care about these characters. It kind of vacillates back and forth. And if you're going to do that, if you're going to, if you're going to flash back and forth to all these characters, then there's got to be, and, and you want me to care about all of these various and sundry stories. There's got to be at least one of those fuckers in there that is my protagonist is my entree into the story. Absolutely unsuccessful at that. So because it continuously insists of like, and now we're going to talk about this guy's dead wife. I don't give a shit. Right. And it's, but it's, but because we don't actually want there to be any stakes in this movie emotionally, it's all going to be played for a joke. Isn't it funny that he's grieving? No. Like there's this whole, again, there had to be another draft of this. Alden Ehrreich's character is the son of Ray Liotta who has left the drug lifestyle because of his wife. His wife is now dead. He's grieving. He's in such a deep pit of grief that he has essentially abandoned his child with his coke dealing dad, Ray Liotta, his the grandpa, and basically gets called out of bereavement and retirement to go find this coke. There's a line that Ray Liotta says way later in the movie than he has than he should that gives that character who I think, again, in a different draft, was the protagonist, 100% of the motivation we need for him to get his ass out in them woods. So I think if the movie had, yeah, tell a bunch of different stories. I like that. I, I like movies that have like a confluence of people meeting in a place and tr trying to survive a day or whatever. I think that's interesting. That's fine. But again, if you really watch the movie, it is so ramshackle. It's so ramshackle that at the end of the movie, there is a flashback to something that happened probably no more than three minutes before in the film. Why? Why are we flashing back? There's characters talking. It's, it's, it's like a, um, you see this in sometimes like the uh, streaming, like elevated, they're not sitcoms anymore. 
but they're basically comedies, right? And <clears throat> where they'll be talking about something and then there'll be like a quick, whoo, like a flash to a different conversation or a different scene. And like, these, the, the, like, because the flashback is a punchline, right? So they skipped over something that they, in a normal progression, they would have shown us. So then when the characters talk about it later, we're going back in time. Like New Girl would do this all the time. New Girl's a great example where it would like flash back to something that happened like 15 minutes earlier and bam, that's the punchline. And you're like, whoa, how do we get here? And oh, ha, 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 because now you're seeing, you're getting a piece of information you didn't see. This movie does this in its last 10 minutes. I swear to God, in its last 10 minutes, I'm going, what the hell? <coughs> it... I, it just feels to me as if like they just, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Like they just, we're just, they, it, it, it feels zhuzhed up. It feels like there was a version of this movie. There was a script that was written. Something about it didn't work. I don't know if it made it into the shooting of it. I don't know if they shot the script and then had to edit it in a different way. Or I don't, I, I have no idea. I'm telling you, there's some fuckery going on with this movie. And again, when the thing just lets loose, and most of that was done post, in post, after the fact, because <clears throat> it's all CGI, when the movie just lets loose and is a CGI kind of gratuitous violence, gore fest, over the top, this bear is just mauling people, there are a few very well-executed scenes that have the energy and the fun and the funny and the gross out that I think we're all looking for. Um I just, I just wish you either you got to go down that lane completely. Uh, another great example of this, uh, uh, of a protagonist in a situation like this, is Slither. James Gunn's Slither. Um, not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination, but a pretty good one, a pretty okay one. I saw it in an absolutely bare-ass theater. I was the only person in the theater, which actually made it way more creepy. I kept lifting my ankles up off the floor because there was the air conditioning was on. I kept blowing my ankles because it was summertime and so I was wearing shorts and it was like, oh, I just felt like slugs were going all over me. But that's a movie. It's really stupid. Knowingly stupid. Leans into how stupid it is. Leans into the gross. Leans into the gore. Leans into the the idiocy of it. But we are in Nathan Fillion's character. We're given a couple. Elizabeth Banks is in that movie. We're given a couple of characters to give a shit about. This movie has those templates in, the, in there and we just keep cutting away to being like, and especially at the end of like, don't you care about these people? No, no, I don't. So either you got to write better characters or you got to write better set pieces. And instead we're, we kind of get this thing in the middle where it's like the artifice of character and a couple of cool set pieces. So it's a 2.5. It's a 2.5 and a recommendation if you already have Peacock, because this thing will be on Peacock, because it's a universal through and through. This thing will be on Peacock, my guess, is end of March, early April. So if you're like, if you're looked at that trailer and you're like, oh, that looks, that looks okay, or it looks like a, a, a silly lark, fire it up on Peacock, and I think that's, a, that's a, exactly where it is. It, it, this is a movie... And here's the only caveat, here's the only downside of that, is maybe the movie benefits from having a hot crowd into it. So you kind of have to weigh that. Do you want to see it with people who are really going to laugh at it and really have a good time with it? 
my feeling is that audience is going to go see it the first weekend. And I think this thing is going to have a history will probably prove me wrong. Word of mouth will probably spread this thing. But I think, especially with Creed two, Creed three coming out and Avatar still kicking ass and taking names um, and Ant-Man still out there. I think the people who want to see this, who like the hot crowd is going to go this weekend. So I'd say if you're not going to get to it first weekend, and you have Peacock or Peacock is available in your your country, maybe go see it via Pe- like Peacock. Maybe stream it. Or if, it's, if it ends up being available as a streamer wherever you are in the world, I would say perhaps stream it. That makes any sense. I don't have much more to say about this one. I didn't hate it. It was fine enough. And that's okay. Some movies just need to be okay. And I think this is an okay movie that's a slight disappointment appointment <laughs> even though my expectations were low so um boy yeah this this uh there is also a very clearly a great outdoors reference in the film see if you can find it did you watch cocaine bear are you gonna watch it what do you think about what i just said let me know in the comments below you can find us on twitter at binge movies you can find us on Instagram at Binge Movies Lives. Uh, that's a relatively new account. So go ahead and follow us over there uh, so we can get that thing moving. Uh, if you haven't subscribed already, could you do so? Just hit the subscribe button. Uh, what's all the other stuff every other podcast tells you to do? Okay, if you listen to podcasts, whatever it is they tell you to do, do the same thing for me and we'll consider it even. I really appreciate it. Until next time, binge on. Binge on.